Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 588. If you haven't the strength to impose your own terms upon life, you must accept the terms it offers you. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Stephen Serio. Stephen, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Massive lap belt. All buckled in, brother. (laughs) All right, good. I'll try to keep it between the rails. Stephen Serio owns and operates Aston Martin of New England, Lotus Motorsports, and the Bond Group. He started his car business in November of 1987. At that time, he was a full-time professional photographer and needed a way to supplement his passion for cars. He ran his own advertising photo studio and also worked in the broadcast television business. However, cars remained his true passion. And in 1990, he pivoted to a full-time automotive business specializing in exporting Aston Martins to the United Kingdom. He acquired a Lotus franchise in 91 and an Aston Martin franchise in 1996. Stevens written for Sports Car Market Magazine for over 20 years, and he helped Haggerty Insurance and SMC with their price guides in the past as well. And today, he buys and sells all sorts of marks of classics from Astons to Ferraris, Porsches, and many others. Stephen, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, Mark, I guess the, the first place uh, to begin with this is that none of it was planned. Uh, it was a quite uh, happenstance. Uh, I guess you would use the word you know, uh, serendipitous because it's worked out very well, but I, I fell into it. Uh, I was noticing... For three years, uh, traveling back and forth to Europe on vacation, that there was a disparity in pricing of cars in Europe with the pricing of cars in the United States. So I had to figure a way to keep my car Jones going. And (laughs) while being a photographer was fun and wonderful and exciting and working for a TV station was fun and wonderful and exciting, it had its, uh, you know, monetary barriers. and. Uh, the good news was I could afford to live in a wonderful uh, condominium. I could have a, a normal ride every day. But if I wanted to have a house and a fun car, 
I had to figure out a way to supplement it and that uh, supplement my income and that was um, by starting my export business. So I went around the country the old school way, you know, trains, planes, automobiles, read every classified ad that I could get in a newspaper and went just hunting for old right-hand drive Aston Martins that folks had bought over the years kind of on a lark because it was a fun thing to do. And I just started sending them back to England where they were frankly worth more there than they were here. And I got caught up in the first classic car boom of the late 80s. And I had a pipeline of cars in my possession. And so it was just dumb luck. Everything took (laughs) off and there was kind of no looking back. So that's the, the genesis of how this started. But I never worked for anybody else in the car business for good and for bad. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I could have developed better habits of running a business, but <laughs> I live by every single decision because they're all mine. Absolutely. Well, return to sender would be a good start to your car passion, sending <laughs> those cars back to the UK. It's a really cool story. And yeah, when those economies flip-flop and the dollar and the pound changes, uh, there's always an opportunity on one side of the pond or the other, depending on how things are going in the world. Very cool start to your passion for cars, if you will. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra of some kind. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Stephen, take the wheel. Well, I've got uh, two. I narrowed it down to two for you. Cool, uh, and cool. And both, they're both above my desk every day. Nice. The first one is from T.S. Eliot, and it is uh, – one of his more famous quotes that says, if you haven't the strength to impose your own terms upon life, you must accept the terms it offers you. Hmm. So I really try to do everything I can the way I want to every day. And that reminds me that only you can make that difference. You can't sit and grouse every day about what life is giving you. You can, but it's not going to get anywhere. (laughs) It's not a fun way to live, that's for sure. (laughs) No. And the other one is much simpler. One of my favorite artists of all times uh, is the late, great Warren Zevon. And as he said to David Letterman, uh, when Letterman asked him about dying and if he had learned everything, he simply said, enjoy every sandwich. <laughs> and that's, and that's, the, that's, that's how I look at everything. Mark was on my, my, my wife was wonderful enough to have put that on my birthday cake when I turned 50. So nice. that's. That's really it. Go go through life every day and enjoy every sandwich. Oh, man, how true. And, you know, you and I are close to the same age. And as we get older and our parents get older and the people around us, uh, we lose those friends and things. You realize that even more, that time is so precious, life is so precious. Enjoy every sandwich. I'm going to remember that one at lunch today <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? Going back in time, is there a pivotal moment when you really realize that you were a car guy? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a little bit of a cliche thing. My dad, one of his first career, uh, well, uh, the first career that he had when I knew my dad, he was a policeman. And every night for a great many nights uh, on his beat, he would go buy a little toy store and would come home with a matchbox car. So I grew up playing at a very early age which, with matchbox cars. So I kind of, I kind of blame uh, or blame or credit my dad <laughs> for getting me interested in cars. His next, and my mom's job as well, uh, they were travel agents when one needed such a thing. 
and we would travel and that was the perk growing up in our house and going back and forth to Europe what was even better than matchbox cars were corgis mm-hmm. so as I guess the first trip I took was in 1968 at eight years old you know I came back with that great DB5 James Bond um, ejector seat oh, silver yeah. corgi I had one um, yep you know, in the in the Batmobile and uh, the uh-huh. Toyota from uh, the the Toyota 2000 from You Only Live Twice. So I, I, you know, I was always around cars because it wasn't to the contrary. My dad and my mom cared less about cars. There was always their cars were transportation. Yep, their cars were simply a way to get from point A to B. And we grew up in our household with about as mundane a selection of cars as you could get. But <laughs> I, I just keep going back to. Matchbox and Corgis, and then when you're old enough to read, you start picking up a road and track, and and it just took off from there, and it's stuck. Uh, It's one of those things in the gene pool that that either happens or doesn't, and it just stuck. Yeah, I think so. My regular listeners know this story. The first Matchbox my father bought me was a red XKE Jaguar, and I still have it sitting right here in front of me. I look at it every day and smile, and... uh, Fortunately, every time I went to the hardware store, he'd buy me a, another Matchbox. I still have every one he ever bought me, part of my little collection of toys, and uh, yeah, definitely a big part of it. When I was young, we had an, I had an Aunt Jenny. We used to go to her house, and one day she pulled out a box of Shuko, the real deal, Shuko wind-up cars. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, every time I went over to her house, uh, I'd go down the basement and make those things zip across the floor. and. I always wondered whatever happened in that box of those cars. They were quite special. <laughs> so, Stephen, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. A crawl under the hood, get our hands dirty. You've been pretty much an entrepreneur all your life doing all these different things. Would you share with us a huge challenge or even better, a great failure? Take us to that painful time in your life. Walk us through it. But, of course, the most important part of this is what did it teach you so that you can move forward? Well, I got, you know, we, I can give you a, a probably a couple of business ones and a you know a personal one which which makes the business stuff seem you know sort of like a walk in the park and you know, really like breaking sticks but the personal challenge for me starting out um i suppose was getting used to the roller coaster of business being different every single day. I mean, I, I back when I started the car business, it was simply that. It was a used car business and people would come and kick tires, drive cars, make requests because they loved cars. But it was a very unpredictable business. I mean, it wasn't the asset allocation that collector cars are today, which in many ways has broadened the field and made the field um so worldwide with so many people getting involved it's a lot easier today than it was but you know the 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 challenge that that get that that comes with getting used to a roller coaster is that sometimes it dips really low and you know after the financial crisis hit in September of 2008 we got within probably 2 days of closing our doors in the summer of 2010 because the business just wasn't there right and you realize that if it's a business problem and money can solve it, that there is another solution to everything. And I guess that's the lesson I've tried to teach my oldest son was don't get hung up if you have your health and you have you know, your humor in your hair, sort of those great... <laughs> hey, don't be talking about hair I'm sorry about here. that. <laughs> 
Well, the three H's, uh, you know, keep you away from the three C's, which are being caustic, critical, and cynical. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's true. You know, I, I guess if there's a, a lesson to be learned, don't get hung up on the fact that if it's a monetary problem, there's always going to be a way to solve it. If you're willing to work hard and, and readjust mm-hmm. on the personal side, my wife and I, one of our twin boys, um, has this very peculiar genetic disorder, which in many ways is a, uh, a day-to-day thing that we, we live with. Mm-hmm. And I have to put a positive spin on this because he is who he is. He's a wonderful little kid. If you met him, you'd have no idea that he has any struggles in life at all. But he does, and he's always going to, and we as a family will always uh, uh, adapt and uh, every single day to work around his needs. Mm-hmm. But the upside of that is it certainly makes everything else in life uh, pale in comparison in, in importance, Mark. And, yes. and for business, hey, if something goes wrong, there's always going to be tomorrow. In your own personal life, uh, if you want to create a great family, you deal with everything that's thrown at you. And that's one of the things and we deal with it. And then it makes us, you know, sort of stronger every day. Absolutely. Well, you put it really well. And thanks for sharing a personal side to your life. I had Wayne Carini on the show and his daughter has autism. And he talked at length about that and the challenges mm-hmm. that, that she deals with, that they deal with as a family and everything. And it's a very public thing now. He's uh, one of his TV shows. He took her for a ride in a car and uh, shared that experience with her. But uh, yeah, it does put things in perspective. It's just like what you spoke about at the beginning of our talk of health, good health, and uh, just being alive every day and being able to enjoy every day. So it does change your perspectives uh, in many ways. Most anything can be fixed, if you will, in business oh, yeah. in some way. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the day, is it going to end everything? No, it won't. There's always a pivot you can make. And you definitely have made some pivots in your life. Speaking of those, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments. You've made some moves in your career to enable you to enjoy cars. I'd love for you to share one of those times when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for this new concept you have, new direction, and tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Sure. Again, I I narrowed it down to two. And I guess the first aha moment was when I was traveling, you know, in Europe in the early 80s, and I was full-blown photographer and just, you know, looking at old cars and and visiting all these great shops that you'd see in the UK magazines. And I sort of realized, wait a minute, if this old Aston Martin, which I'm really fond of, is 8,000 pounds here in London, I can buy one in the United States for $8,000, which is what uh, a friend, uh, my dear old friend from uh, junior high school, Bob Krause, and I, um, you know, we pulled together eight grand, which was all the money in the world, and we co-owned a DB4 for a long time. Mm-hmm. But that was the moment of traveling going, wait a minute, there's a, there's a business here. There is, if I can find all these old cars in the United States, and they're effectively worth twice in England, and all I have to do is move them, and deal with this monetary arbitrage, this is great. Yeah. So that, that was the first thing I noticed that really got me into the car business. The second thing had to do with almost failing in 2010. After we realized we weren't going to fail and the lights were going to stay on and everybody was going to take a paycheck and, and everything was could be great again, I was at the Amelia Island RM auction in 2011. And I had one friend uh, from the UK come over uh, and say hello to me. And we hadn't done any any business before. 
but we'd known each other for 10 years. And he just said to me, if you know of anybody looking for a single seat uh, Ferrari race car, I've got one that somebody's asked me to sell. Within five minutes, literally, another friend from the United States who was watching a fairly big collection of cars came up to me and said, my boss has asked me if you found if you could find a single seat Ferrari race car, <laughs> he'd be in the market for one. Nice. And so I sort of went, okay, I'm being pranked by these two guys. Yeah, yeah. Where's the camera? <laughs> right. So point being, you know, we all get together. You know, Chuck meet Andrew, Andrew meet Chuck. Could this possibly be this easy? And it was. And as I sat there and I, I thought over the next month or so when when we, you know, sold the race car and, and put it in its new home, wait a minute, what am I doing killing myself, sort of running my day-to-day business, selling just what I sell? I have all of the contacts to go higher up the food chain, either in the Ferrari world or the Porsche world, and instead of focusing on cars that are $100,000, $200,000, $300,000, $400,000, why don't we just go after the million-dollar cars? Mm-hmm. And that made a big difference in my life, um, deciding to just go into a different part of the marketplace that was in front of me forever, but I never, I never tapped into it. It was all the right people. I knew them all, and I, I had all the contacts, and I realized it from that one little five-minute interaction. Wow. Sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees, and uh, yeah, the door is right there in front of us. So how fortuitous, how much fun is that? And uh, now you get to play with even bigger level cars and people and so forth. So very cool, which in some ways aren't as affected by the ups and downs of the economy when you get into the very high-end collectors. If anything, they're buying more cars when the economy's in the dumper and they can take advantage of it. Well, and if the car is not repeatable, that's kind of the mantra for the year because the, the classic car market has, has taken a couple of crazy little turns in the last 18 months. Yep. And the part of it that's still very much alive is the very top of the food chain where you just can't if if a, again I'll say it if if a car is not repeatable and it is so unique and wonderful and is of course fairly priced there is a much greater chance of you selling that you know one off car for three and a half million dollars than it is that E Type or three fifty six or nine eleven or or DB four Aston Martin right because the market's changed and, and the uber wealthy I dare say are in every single economy are going to be uber wealthy and the ones that still love their cars still want to have what you know everybody else can't of course of course very cool i love that well i would assume you've had many proud moments in your career over the years but is there one in particular that stands out that you would share with us uh yeah again i sort of you know went through in my head and listening to other guys talk about career moments i guess it's the simple overview that I've managed to make a career out of this by not knowing a damn thing about it when I started um, <laughs> and, and allowing uh, my wife to not allowing is not the right word and making the decision for my wife to uh, stay home and, and raise our help raise our kids the way she does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's, it's being able to build a family life um, with a, with a getaway, you know, beach house and a couple of fun cars in the garage. That's, I guess the overall view that I must have done something right. The other part of it, which again is 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 not to be sort of more 
you know, uh, Andy Griffith about this whole thing. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I've developed, you know, 10 great friends in the business all over the world. You know, some in my backyard here in, in, in Boston, some of them in England, uh, some of them in, in California that have really you know, taught me a great many things about business and taught me that at the end of the day, if you can take away friendship and do business with your friends the entire time, you know, when you're not doing business, you still have these guys to, to lean on and, and to experience different things with. And uh, I would really, I really have to say that, you know, on, on a very, on a, on a very short and, and rifle shot, way of looking at it. You know, I just did a story last year for SCM uh, with Jerry Seinfeld that had to do with original cars and their value. And that to me, not because it was Jerry, but because it was us having a voice in the marketplace and, and getting to talk about, you know, why we think these kind of ratty old original cars should be every bit as valuable, valuable to some people as something that's been restored. Right. Uh, that was a proud moment. And, uh, Porsche recently asked to borrow my own Speedster for an event, the California Mille, because uh, of some bad luck they had with importing cars into the country. And I had you know, the president of Porsche and Hurley Haywood driving around in my own 356 that I had just done the Copper State in. So that was a, a pretty good moment where I said, well, there, that, that validates my own car. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in fact, I saw... I saw the pictures of those guys. Uh, Hurley's been a guest on the show here, but I saw pictures of those guys driving your car. I'm very jealous of that car. I love old speechers. I would love to have one. Their prices have just become prohibitive. Uh, yeah, very, very cool. And, you know, one thing I've learned after two years of interviewing over 500 and you're the 588th guest here on Cars, yeah, is that the cars is what it's about, but it's really about the people and how it brings people together, creates friendships. You know, uh, we've just returned from Monterey Car Week where uh, it's just the, the bringing together of the best of the best of cars, but really is the best of the best of people and, and the old friendships, the, the new friendships generated. I met so many great people, so many people that have been on my show, uh, including you. So, uh, yeah, it is about the people for sure. Now, let's go back in time. You've owned lots of cars. You've sold lots of cars, but I would love for you to share with us your first really special car and maybe a memory you have of that vehicle. Um, yeah, I guess my my first special car was a 1969 uh, Ferrari Dino. Um, it was an L series car, Ooh. and God, back in the day when the car was twenty four thousand five hundred dollars in 1984, and I had to borrow <laughs> twenty two thousand of it. Um, I oh. get I, yeah, that was you know you learn about debt and responsibility uh and and how how that matters if you want to get into this yeah. um you know looking back at it you know the car was only 15 years old so it's kind of like looking back at any car now that was made in 2001 it was just an old thing right. but that was the first real fun fantastic great car that I had and I used it as a daily driver for I guess about 18 months, and, and, and then sold the car on to uh, an old college friend who still has the car. Oh, my gosh. And he's Yeah, he's had it since, I guess he's had it since about 1987 wow. Um, wow. when I sold it on to buy a DB4 Vantage. So yeah. that, that, was, that was really a, my first fun car. I, I dare say my first car came about in a quasi-underhanded way. Um <laughs> <laughs> my dad had lent me his Plymouth Volare 
now uh, Easy Mark. I don't have the Plymouth Valari <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Let's not jump through the phone. Aww. But he had he had sent me to college with that car. You know, I borrowed it. Yeah. And uh, my dad, being the last honest guy on the face of the earth, left the title in the in the glove box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I came home with uh, an Audi Fox. <laughs> the Volkswagen oh, Dasher yes. of Audi. I remember um, those, yeah. Because I just thought, well, wait a minute. This is a cooler car. It's equal. You know, it's a station wagon as well and yeah. better gas mileage. It's an Audi. Yeah. <laughs> Not this crazy Plymouth. Yeah. So, <laughs> what did your dad have to say about that? Uh, you know, again, I think what's got him to 92 years old is the simple fact he doesn't lose his temper very easy. Um, uh. <laughs> and he, you know, he sort of said something probably really sarcastic and uh, probably shook his head and, and just said, all right, then, well, you know, you pay for the insurance. Yeah. This. You can pay me for my car. <laughs> yeah, you get to deal with that. And those Audis back in those days were not the Audis of today either. We had a hundred. Oh God, no. We had a hundred LS in our family, and oh my gosh, uh, I think that car let us down more times than anything, including yeah. straining us in the middle of the desert between Tucson and San Diego. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, when I was a, a little, well, I was sixteen at the time, but uh, yeah. Very cool. I guess, you know, when this car hit 70,000 miles, I think I bought it with 40 or traded it with 40. When it hit 70, the whole thing just exploded. I mean, it was just a disaster. The parts just start coming off of it. Well, the Dino, though, what a car. And I started a detailing business when I was 14 years old. And when I was 15, I had my learner's permit. And one of my clients, Sam Salemi, I'll always remember his name, he had a Dino. It actually belonged to Cher first. He bought it from a broker in L.A. After she sold it, it was purple metallic a factory color, believe it or not. And he let me drive that car, uh, take it home and detail it. And uh, oh wow. my gosh. Yeah, he was very kind. He also had a 911 he let me drive. He was just an all-around great guy. And every time I got to detail that car and drive it home, I always took the long way home, up over <laughs> up over Mount Soledad in La Jolla and down, uh, down the hill, uh, Hillside Drive. I always took the long way home. Well, things get imprinted in you. And I remember as a kid... In a very normal blue-collar sort of working-class neighborhood in, in Massachusetts in a little town called Watertown, and the neighbor across the street took a Dino home, and I must have been eight or nine years old or ten years old when the car first came out, and he had the car for a couple of years before he moved away, and I remember traveling with my folks and being in Italy, right near Villa d'Este, um, when we were traveling around Lake Como, we were going to dinner one night, and we were walking from our little pensione to wherever dinner was, and mm-hmm. I remember rounding a corner and looking at a yellow Dino being mm-hmm. parked at the top of a hill with a peacock antenna, and I can I can draw a picture of it as clear today as I did, because yep. I saw it when I saw the car in 1971, and that's what always made me covet owning one of those. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it's that impact as as a kid, there's some sort of crazy visual impact that's like, wow, yep. you know, brought me to my knees. And I still, you know, I, I owned another one after that and owned that car twice um, and would probably have have one again one day if they just weren't such terrible cars. But. <laughs> well, we won't go down that path with those things, but... Uh... Yeah, yeah, that's the way they can be. Well, how about seller's remorse? Now, again, you've sold lots of cars. So let's take the monetary perspective out of this because the car market, as we've seen, just skyrocketed. It's kind of floating a little bit now. But is there a car that just from an emotional heart strings tug that you really wish you had back in your garage? Yeah, I mean, I I sold it recently because it, 
you know, I had the car for 10 years and put 30,000 miles on it. My 275 GTS was one of the last original 275 GTSs, and the car was a old shoe. I mean, it was like wearing, you know, a fine pair of worn-in gloves, and I missed the car for the the sound it made, I missed the car for, you know, the, every time I started it up, it was, it was used in the movie, the judge, Mike, um, oh, Robert okay. Downey Jr. used it for the very beginning of the movie. Ah, and I, yeah. I've caught the movie a few times on cable and I just hear the car start and it's like, that's my old car. <laughs> um, so yeah, I do, I do regret selling that car because it was so wonderful and I did own it for such a long time. And I also wish I could get back a D-type replica made by Tempero in, in New Zealand that I owned for about two years. Mm. And at the time, you know, it just needed the money and it was yep. an asset and it was sold on, I think, I think it was a whole $60,000 15 years ago and I co-owned it with somebody else. And that car was so much fun and was like owning a motorcycle. Um, yeah. I, I yeah. really wish I could get that particular car back because the gentleman who had it made was tall and he had the cockpit built a certain way around his frame. It was comfortable. Um, and I have just great memories of driving up to the Montreal Grand Prix through Vermont one year, you know, in that thing. And I didn't care that it was a replica. It was just all about the fun. Yeah, exactly. Now I had a Beck spider that was the same way. It was built by a, uh, a former guest here on cars. You had John Wilhoit who builds beautiful. Oh, sure. Yeah, I did the interior and, and the finished work on my one of my speedsters. Oh, he's, he's a okay. fantastic guy. Oh, he's yep. he's the guy, and he had uh, he had built this Beck Spider for a client of his. The guy wanted to sell it. It had a, a Porsche Speedster engine, all Porsche parts. He built the car with. It was just a really a special replica, not just your standard Beck. And uh, yeah, that's a car I let go that I I really wish I had back. My son and I, when he was eight, we took a trip from uh, gosh Long Beach. We picked it up down at John's place. And then uh, drove it all the way back up the coast together. So, yeah, we all have those cars. That's for sure. (laughs) Well, let's talk about today. What has you really excited and fired up? What are you working on right now in your business, in your life? Wow, that's that's a great question. I'm finally building a garage at my house, which took forever to get permitted in the parochial land of Massachusetts, (laughs) so I can actually keep the things that I enjoy driving at my home. Um, Business, uh, Aston Martin is on the edge of really relaunching their entire brand again with the new DB11, which I just came back from England. I drove it for three days, and and the car is spectacular. That's got me really pumped up about the new car business again. Cool. I dare say if uh, Lotus comes out uh, with their Evora, um, their new gen Evora, that that will go really well. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm pretty thrilled about the new car business. One of the other uh, more personal things uh, for fun is I was just on a panel with a couple of your other guests. Alex Finnegan was there, and Spike Ferriston was the host from yeah, Car Matchmaker. Yeah, it was Alumni um, Reunion Day. <laughs> exactly. So things like that that are more casual and, and talking to the public about cars is really fun. Anything that I write for a sports car market has always got me jazzed to, to do because I think I'm their in-house cynic. So <laughs> this is Andy Rooney of uh, that publication. Yep. But that that stuff's all all got me pretty jazzed about the business. And um, again, Mark, it's uh, you know I have a son who's a, a junior going into 
NYU for his junior year, rather. Cool. That's a pretty exciting thing to watch. And, and my other two twins uh, going into the third grade. Oh, so my gosh. There's a lot going on. <laughs> you are a busy guy, for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Lots of old Cars yeah alumni here, for sure. And uh, like we said, at Pebble Beach as well. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Stephen. If you were a car, what kind of car would Stephen be and why? Something simple. <laughs> I, I guess I would have to go with being a Porsche Speedster from the 50s because of the simplicity of the car. I don't, I really, my wife laughs at me for referring to myself as a simple merchant. And it's a line I stole from my cousin. But I, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm the luckiest guy on earth to have the job that I, I have. And that car is just a simple, reliable, routine thing. And, and I own two of them. And that's that's a long story. But I, they're my favorite thing. Yeah. They're simple, they're reliable. And, and generally, when you take one out, and wherever I park either of those cars, it's always a good karma. It's always a you know thumbs up. And right. little kids are smiling. Old people are smiling. Everybody wants to talk about it. Yeah. So I, I think uh, if, I, if I could be something like that, where it's, you know, kind of all welcoming. I, I, I can live with that. I think so. Well, that's a nice choice. Two of them. Oh, man, life's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'm happy for you. Like I said, I've wanted one my entire life. So uh, maybe someday, you know, one of those cars that got away from me was a neighbor up the street had a Carrera Speedster when I was quite young. And he was kind of a bachelor guy. I was a young kid. He used to uh, take me surfing with him. We'd actually uh, put our surfboards, believe it or not, nose first down behind those little Speedster seats. The tails would stick up of those boards. This is back when surfboards were six feet small. And he would take me to the beach. And uh, one time he let me drive that thing. I was only 14 years old. And when he wanted to sell it, I remember begging my parents to buy that car. And they just said, that old ratty thing? He wants how much for it? Now, this would be 19. 73 so they were pretty cheap back then to this day i remind them what the cars are worth now so uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're restoring one in my shop right now oh where we're keeping it i was hoping it was the same car because it came out of southern california but oh. the last time this car had changed hands was the early 60s for a king's ransom of 900 dollars <laughs> well yeah, this car, I think he wanted 2500 bucks for it. And at that time, <laughs> my dad had bought a brand new Vista Cruiser for less than that. So, you know, he's like, there's no way. And I, you know, I was a little kid. I, I couldn't afford it. So, uh, what can I say? But, ah, uh, yeah, memories, memories. Steven, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's cars. Yeah, sponsors. Hey, cars. Yeah, listeners. I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle? both the exterior and the interior. It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories 
made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Stephen, we're back, and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? It's that cliche, drive it like you stole it. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and the best, the best advice that I ever received was, and I have not always listened to this, was make sure you can live with whatever you think you want to own. Yeah. Would you share a personal habit that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Yeah, being brutally honest. Hmm. Um, I think I've, I've got my... I've got folks that I can't do business with because of that, and I've got folks that will only do business with me because of that. Mm. And it's one of those, it's one of those uh, things that I, I'll take it as an asset at the end of the day, and I'll, I'll live by that. I mean, I think that's if you can wake up and 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 be just brutally honest with everyone every day, and and I've and I've. I know this is not the PC thing to say. I, I, I've stepped on a body part here or there um, <laughs> <laughs> by being that honest yeah. um, or yeah. being that outspoken or, I mean, I suppose you could you could even view it as being arrogant, but I, I, I think, Mark, um, to just be brutally honest with everybody you deal with and everything will go fine. And And if it doesn't go fine, it can't be any fault of your own because if you're just telling the truth, there's no defense against that. No. Also important in selling uh, automobiles and especially old automobiles as well. You can destroy a lifetime reputation really fast without being honest. Now, is there a resource out there that you use every day that you think the Cars Out listeners would enjoy as well? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was late to the party, um, but I think as a car guy, Instagram has just blown up and you could – spend hour upon hour looking at other people's you know, experiences on Instagram. And I, again, was late to the party for promoting my own business and just, you know, putting myself out there. But that would be the daily thing. And the once a year thing is get to the Goodwood Revival if you love cars. Oh, yeah. Watch your head explode. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Instagram is a really cool one. And I'll give you a chance here to plug. Do you have Instagram accounts for all of your businesses or one or for you personally? Well, for me personally, it's the real bond group. All of my day-to-day stuff, uh, I try to post daily. It doesn't always happen, but that is the Instagram account that uh, is me, and then it just kind of goes into the business. There you go. Well, I'll make sure I'm following you. 
Of course, I've got an Instagram account here at Cars Yeah that I encourage listeners to follow. And have you started playing with their brand new stories uh, application within Instagram? It was just launched, uh, gosh, uh, the beginning of August. Have you played with that yet? I have not. You've got to get a hold of it. They're going after Snapchat. And it's a very Snapchat-esque type thing where you can post a little video, you can augment it in different ways. It stays live for 24 hours and then it goes away. It's a nice way to put little uh, quick notices of things you're doing out there and just kind of tease people. Uh, it runs across the top of the app. So uh, reload your app, update it, and check it out. I think you're going to like it quite a bit. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I've been playing with it. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that uh, you think the listeners should read as well? Yeah, it's it's funny. When I told you I, I had listened to some of your old interviews, uh, I didn't realize that Spike Ferriston had taken my suggestion of <laughs> of the book Howard's Gift. Ah. Uh, that's a fantastic book about Howard Stevenson, a, a professor at the Harvard Business School. Uh, a lot of life lessons in it. That, to me, is is a quick read, a wonderful read. I mean, the only thing I've ever read twice is that book and... Um, Atlas Shrugged, and that's not for the lighthearted summer reading. So, uh, <laughs> right. you know, either one, you can, you can go with the, the heavy Atlas Shrugged, or you can learn something new and read Howard's Gift. Yeah, I love Atlas Shrugged, and uh, that book that uh, Spike shared, yeah, is great. So, I'll remind our listeners you can find all these great resources that Stephen's been so kind to share on his very own show notes page at carsyeah.com slash Stephen Serio. And his last name is S E R I O. And there's also a great place on the Cars yeah website under references or resources called Guest Recommended Books, where these books and all the past 587 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, Stephen, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy, especially for a guy like you. Now, you've just built that new garage. You're building that new garage. So if you could have only one car to park in that garage, a collector car, something really special to you, but money is no object, I'm going to buy you whatever car on the planet exists. What would that vehicle be? And more importantly, why? You know, that's like asking, you know, which one of your <laughs> yeah, children I is know. your favorite. I'm sorry, um, but you know what? <laughs> I've had I've had 587 guests answer it, so I'm sure you can do it too. <laughs> I'm sure... Uh, somebody has answered this the same, but I would want, if you're buying it and it's going to be under my Christmas tree, uh -huh. Steve McQueen's old XKSS. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah, it has been requested before. <laughs> but uh, so, Sorry to be cliche, but uh, having just seen that in the Peterson Museum yeah. again, yeah, I'll even broaden it, any of the 16 XKSSs, Mark, because it would trump that replica D-type that I've been pining for by, yeah. by quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, let's talk about that car for just a second. What is it about the XKSS that just tugs on your heartstrings? It is the shape. I mean, they yeah. are a ball to drive. I've only driven one. I've driven one D-Type, one XKSS. But those period cars are so easy to drive quickly, and there's nothing like that shape. I mean, it is as evocative as a car shape can be, along with a, a Series 2 GTO. I, I'm, I'm a fan of the Series 2 GTO, having driven one of those. So that's your backup. If you've given the <laughs> XKSS to somebody else, I, I will take... Uh, Lord or Sir Anthony Bamford's Series 2 GTO anytime. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
Well, you know, maybe I could, I think Ralph Lauren has one of those Jaguar XKSs. Maybe I could talk him out of it. Uh, you know, I'll give him a call today and uh, see, see what I can do for you. But yeah, it is just such a special car, beautiful car. And uh, I saw on Facebook a couple of weeks ago a picture of uh, Steve McQueen and his wife at the time in that thing. I think they were at Riverside uh, sitting in some traffic and somebody behind them had taken a picture of them looking over their shoulders. So uh, you've picked a really nice car. I-, I knew you would. And Stephen, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories and getting to know you better. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that McQueen XKSS. <laughs> Find that job where you can make friends uh, and create wonderful life experiences with them uh, that you can then share with your family because that's better than any of this car stuff. And if it's all interrelated, you can also buy a car and create all those memories you want with it. But don't ever buy anything and just stare at it because you'll never get the fun out of it that you you will if you're driving it uh, with the people you love. Absolutely. Very well said. Now, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your companies? Well, uh, you can go online. Uh, our website is astonmartin-lotus.com uh, for our one side of our, our business. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, as you mentioned, at The Real Bond Group which is uh, another one of our small businesses. So uh, I can be tracked down that way. I can be easily found, and occasionally uh, Keith Martin is kind enough to let me write my opinion about some things in his magazine, and um, you can always find me there. Absolutely. I always enjoy your stories. Uh, Keith's another past guest here on Cars. Yeah, I've been getting his publication forever, so I love it when I see your name on those first pages. Oh, good. It's an article by Stephen here. This is going to be interesting. It's always <laughs> You're gonna, very kind. Always going to ruffle a few <laughs> feathers, which is always a good thing to do it in a nice way. Listeners, you can find links again to everything Stephen shared on carsyad.com. Just type Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N in the search bar or his last name, Serio, S-E-R-I-O, and that will pop right up. Hey, Stephen, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars yeah listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, sir. I look forward to it and have a wonderful rest of the year. You bet. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!